This is episode 59 of Outlander Cast with Mary and Blake. My Paris was bitter disappointment. All the way from Providence, Rhode Island, welcome to Outlander Cast. It's a podcast dedicated to the show Outlander on Stars. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome. I'm your host, Mary Larson. My name is Blake, and uh, I got kind of hammered this week from a bunch of people. Oh dear. Oh yeah. No, I got hammered over my uh, over my whole thing about how Paris just was uh, pretty much a waste of time, and uh, a lot of people were were quite upset with me. You know, I I can understand why they were upset with you. It's an important part. Of, of their their life. Yeah, but, you know, I just, uh, I'm not into yeah. it. Well, you're just glad to be back in Scotland, as I think, uh, are yeah. we all. We can at least leave it at that. This, of course, is going to be the listener feedback to the Fox's Lair. Thank you, everybody, for being so patient. Yes. Once again, sickness has ravaged our family again. This is the Our third. kids just can't seem to shake the stomach bug. I know. <laughs> Reese, Godzilla is now sick, too, so... Yeah. And uh, luckily, we have Grampy upstairs as we record. Holding down the fort, man. <laughs> Holding it, down the fort. Watching Dragon. <laughs> All right. Before we get into the listener feedback, we really need to remind you that there is a super special favor that you can do for us. It is head on over to podcastawards.com and click. We have been nominated for People's Choice and television and film. And actually, we were nominated for a third category, parent cast and the kids and family. But nonetheless, we need your votes and we need them now and we need them frequent and often. It's going on for about one more week. Voting ends June 12th. So head on over to Podcast Awards. You can actually vote every single day. But you do need to make sure that you put in a legitimate email address because they are verifying votes that way. So once again, podcastawards.com. We're going to remind you about it every time and uh, the other thing I wanted to remind you about is the Outlander cast clan gathering in Facebook it's our Facebook group and currently what number how many are we up to right now oh, I'm going to guess 670 670 we're definitely past that are we really we are up to, oh, nope, you were close. Why did I think we were so many more? We are 651. 651, okay, close. You know, I just had it in my mind that we were already at 800, so here's what <laughs> I want you guys to do. Make my dreams come true. Let's get it up to 800. And we're, we're getting close, too, to our, our goal for iTunes as well. Mm-hmm. We set the bar for 275, and right now, I believe we are at 257. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and we started I think at 240 something so uh, you guys have been coming out in droves and I'm really proud of that uh, but we need just a little bit more to get to our goal by the end of this season which Let's is 275 and, I, and you know what because I'm so happy I'm so happy that we're back in Scotland yep I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give away something if we get to the person who has number 275 uh, review on iTunes you're saying review on iTunes okay. you gotta write one if the, the person who has number 275 gets a free item from the Mary and Blake store online yes. how's that sound that sounds amazing that's perfect I like that alright so 
Once again, podcastawards.com and also the Outlander cast, clan gathering in Facebook. Join it. Do an iTunes review. Booyah. Let's jump into the listener feedback. Well, we wanted to first, before we do all of that, is actually call out Debbie Griffith. Uh, the reason why we're doing that is because she just had a brand new granddaughter. Yay! That is awesome. Congratulations. And uh, her son, guess what um, Guess what he named her? Felicity. Oh, what a grand <laughs> name. I love that name. Hey, and the birthday was super close to uh, Felicity's first birthday. That's right. Felicity was born on 5-30, and uh, the new Felicity is born on 6-1 uh, of 16. So they, she wanted to let us know that she thought of us. Uh, and that she wanted to share that. So how how cute is that? She sees her granddaughter, and the first thing that comes to her mind is Mary and Blake. (laughs) Wow. Happy grandparent birthday on uh, 6-1. Right, and I also wanted to call out, well, not call out, but I wanted to discuss this a little bit. Uh, Suzanne Cole Rice actually called me out on Facebook. She said, Blake, regarding Paris, there are so far eight books, and you have not seen the end result of Paris, and you have not seen the last of some characters. We haven't even finished this season yet. Plus, there are side books. Patience, Grasshopper. And Bob Bob Loveless also called me out. And they said, Blake, you really got me worked up listening to the Listener Feedback Podcast on the Faith episode this morning. In my humble opinion, you are totally wrong (laughs) about Paris. You went off the rails. Paris is not necessary? Really? Number one, I think it was essential to the story to see all the failings in Paris, mostly to show you just how impossible it is to change history. And two, it is not the job of those directing and writing the television series to be as faithful as possible, time permitting to the books. Just because you did not like Paris, you think they should have left it out or glossed over it? Leaving out important parts of the story is like saying because I may not have liked one of the Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings books, they should not have been covered. They, they should not have covered that book in the movies. Now, not true, but just saying as an example. Come on, I'm a little disappointed in you, Blake. You went over the top in your commentary. Well, first, Bob, this one is for you. You're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> and uh, thank you for bringing that up. And listen, guys, Suzanne and Bob, I get what you're saying. Everybody loves Paris. I have yet to see the end result of this season. And yes, there are future books, apparently, that include Paris and things that happen in France and characters that happen in France. I get it. But my job now is to see what the show is presenting me in real time. And what they're presenting me in real time is that nothing really happened in Paris. The entire goal was to go there. And change history. Mm-hmm. And clearly it didn't happen. You're saying the exercise is, well, it's to show you that cha- that history is, Im- is impossible to change. I agree. But that doesn't make it compelling television. Um, and so I, I was hoping that they, w- they they would not do that. I was hoping that they would change some things to make it a little bit more compelling um, and, and give us a little bit more uh, familiarity with the characters. And they actually tried to do that with someone like Louise. Uh, who gave her a big payoff uh, at the end when she took the baby from Claire. That's a huge thing. That's mm-hmm. really good. Uh, but yeah, I, the Paris didn't work for me. And the fact is, so far, it just hasn't worked. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's more to come. Maybe there's more to get better. That's fine. I'll accept that. But as of right now, my job is to give you an opinion. And my opinion was that Paris so far has dragged this season down uh, from it being great. Uh, and that's that's the end of that. But let's get into the rest of the listener feedback. Yeah. 
Florida Rose uh, on the website said, I wanted to reiterate something I wrote a few weeks ago because I am more convinced than ever that I am right. Borrowing from a statement made by a character in my other TV obsession, Game of Thrones, Hmm. the ink is dry on the pages of history. Basically, no one can change history, and any actions taken by time travelers has already happened and is part of history. Jamie and Claire tried to stop the uprising from happening because they knew it was doomed. However, I believe it was doomed because Jamie and Claire tried to stop it. If they had not interfered, Prince Charles may have received significant support from the Duke of Sandringham and his friends, the Comte Saint-Germain, and perhaps even the French government. And that makes sense. This is me now speaking. That makes sense because if he got support from Sandringham, he definitely would have gotten support from the French government. Because of them, what was left was a desperate prince trying to reclaim the throne with only the support of a few clans. Had they not interfered, the uprising may have succeeded. Keep in mind, Claire only knew about the main events of the uprising. She didn't know the details or the key players. Perhaps she and Jamie had been the key players all along. And I really like this. I mean, really, really cool stuff, Florida Rosa, because you're saying because they went back, because they tried, they are the ones that made the rebellion fall apart. Mm. If she hadn't had the dinner, Sandringham would have backed Charlie. If he backed Charlie, um, uh, Charlie would have had the money uh, to show the French king. The French king would have said, hey, this is a good investment. Let's give them the support. And then they would have united the clans because they had French support. And then let's also, on a more personal level, if she doesn't interfere with Mary Hawkins, perhaps, maybe she doesn't get uh, married to this other guy, but we all know that she's going to end up getting married to Black Jack Randall. That, too, would not happen. And I got to tell you, no, our history with Black Jack Randall would suggest that Mary getting married to this dude ain't a good thing. So I'm just saying, Florida Rose, you're more right than, than, than I think you imagine. <laughs> Kim D said that she wants to talk about the jumping the shark moment. She said that I was right on track commenting on how Claire's reaction to Leary wasn't very clear like from what Diana you know, herself, said later about the whole Sharknado incident, her main problem was that they originally had Claire pulling Leary by the hair and slapping her around. Somehow she didn't feel like it fit Claire's character, but that Ron thought viewers would like to see it, like Blake. They did end up dialing it back, obviously, but the whole Leary storyline wasn't something she liked that much. She meant the whole jump the shark comment as them going off the rails with Claire's character and not a comment on the show going off track as a whole i guess so thanks for the laugh with the goat stuff she said by the way <laughs> i don't know I, I just still i still think it's irresponsible of diana to use that comment even if it's in jest even if she doesn't she can do whatever she wants no, she cannot she cannot <laughs> not that that's like it's like saying think of like the worst thing you could ever possibly think of it, it, about a book and say it and be like, it's like the worst insult you can think of. That is what, that's what's comparable to saying this, the show has jumped the shock. It's like the worst insult you can possibly come up with. Luvina says on the website, why would Jamie even consider signing over it, uh, the Lallybrock to Lord Lovett? Why go forth and risk everything if the land of your family and tenants no longer belongs to you? And you have no idea what you're scheming. Grandsire plans to do with it? 
That's the reason he's moving forward to try to help Bonnie Prince Charlie win. Signing over the state negates that. I really like this idea because you're, ultimately you're saying, yeah, he's signing it over, but what the hell, what the hell is he doing anyway? If he's going to sign it over, there's nothing for him to stick around for. The problem is it's not just about the estate. It's not just about where they're going to live. It's the fact that they can't take everybody with them. And the only hope that they have is making sure Scotland wins. Because if Scotland wins, that's his family. I'm sure Lord Lovett would, he'd come to something, you know, there, there would be an agreement where his family could still live at Lallybrock. Joanne Sutton-Smith wrote on Facebook, Initially, I too was disappointed by the abbreviated sex scene between Jamie and Claire in the episode. However, upon second viewing, I think the true focus of the intimacy needed to be on Jenny and Claire as they observed the sweet tenderness and soul-bearing conversation between Jamie and the baby. All of the intimacy of these relationships underscores what is truly at stake. Really good, really good. From email, we had uh, Christine. She wrote, despite all the drama around this episode, I saw no sharks and I'm not quite sure what herself was referring to (laughs) tall ships has adapted this ginormous book into a 13 hour season i hashtag trust ron (laughs) and blame stars for only giving him 13 hours the production has to has made choices to make this work and their choices in my opinion have been sound for the most part tall ships have put jamie and claire in situations and given them things to do that jamie and claire would not have done in the books but these situations and actions that have made this plot move forward in a way that we can actually watch on television. She says that the kilt reading is 4.6. It's growing with each particular episode. And the good was, oh my God, the potatoes. Ah, it's from it's time for some tatties and neeps with their haggis. <laughs> Something good happened for the Frasers and the Murrays. Thank you, Ann Kenny. And we got to see Jamie's knees in the process. Who would have ever thought that knees are hot? <laughs> Bad, as much as uh, leg hair annoyed me, especially when she smelled Jamie's shirt. What is, what is wrong with that girl? My bad was when Claire... And Jamie left Lallybrock again. It was heartbreaking to see them leave a place where they belong together. This is their happy place, and they just don't get enough time there ever. And the great is, oh my God, there was so much to consider here, but, but the favorite part of this episode was the opening credits. I love that we are back in Scotland and that we were, there were hints in the opening of what is to come. And without watching the preview, spoilers. It was beautiful. Andra in Brazil said about Claire and Jamie returning to Scotland, Blake said the same thing I said during my Dragonfly and Amber book book review on my channel. I love Paris. And there were great things happening there. But going back to the Highlands was like coming home for me. Now I have my Outlander back, I thought. Jamie and his natural habitat. And I thought about the inside joke about going to bed while I was watching it too (laughs) and throwing Leary over the balcony. Andrew also writes that she really liked this episode. Jamie was so secure talking about the Jacobite rebellion to Lord Lovett and his men. He showed himself a real leader. He is not a hidden boy anymore like he was at Castle Leah. Ooh, I like that a lot. From Raquel, she says, Blake, knowing that you have not read the books, does this also include reading history and reading about the real historical characters? Although Jamie's family is supposedly fictional, the old fox and his son are real and do play a part in the uprising. Also, the dates of when Prince Charlie and all the dates of the battles are also set in stone, 
as pointed out by Frank in episode 101. Also, a thought on your outlandish theory. Remember, Dougal was a Jacobite, a true believer, had many followers, including Rupert and Angus, and I believe that that was the reason he did not go with Colum for the signing of a neutrality agreement, and nor did the others. This neutrality thing was not in the books, so this is my supposition. For me, the good were the new credits, although I missed the music turning on when they turned the knob on the radio. I like that, too. That was a really nice mm-hmm. little touch. The bad was the Leary story and the improbability of it. The messed up timeline, potatoes harvested in November in Scotland, and that was their first harvesting, is in so little time at Lallybrock. The only great for me was Jamie and the baby with Jenny and Claire, and the very bad was not having one mending episode of Claire and Jamie Fergus and seeing the day-to-day at Lallybrock and seeing what they believe what they are fighting for, not just Scotland. Well, first, um, let me address this. The history part of it, uh, you know, I have read some things, but I I can honestly tell you that I have not looked up uh, the old fox. I have not looked up his son. I'm not well versed in the absolute details of the Jacobite Rebellion. It's more of a broad picture for me. Um, so no, I have not read up on those, on those characters, so I don't know their fates. Uh, and as for, um, seeing what they're fighting for. I think you got that. I think you got that uh, a little bit uh, in Lally Brock. What they, they showed you what they were there for. They showed you the family. They showed you the potatoes. They showed you uh, the niece and Jamie talking with it. And they gave you that character moment. And it, it was it enough. Uh, perhaps not. I probably would have liked more, but I think they got the message across. And um, do you co-sign on that? My love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Diane wrote in she said Blake I think you mentioned that you wished Jamie had listened to Colum about staying out of the war you felt that Colum was right however Jamie actually knows that Colum is wrong about history repeating itself and leaving the neutral clans untouched the British crown finally will say enough is enough this time it will be a Sherman march through Georgia like response with the goal of never leaving uh, alive even a colonel of hope for another uprising and you're right technically i suppose but you're also wrong well because it's the question of time travel and like a reader or someone had written in before maybe this all happened because of claire and jamie well yeah yeah no i agree but i think the ultimate point here is she's saying yes uh the British are going to come through no matter what. Yeah. Right. Uh, and they're not going to leave the neutral people alone. They're just going to burn mm-hmm. everything down. Uh, and <sighs> yes, I think you're you're right about that, but you're wrong in that what column. Um, hmm, how do I want to put this? I, I think ultimately column himself is right because they, he knows that they're not going to get French support and he may be wrong about the neutrality thing. But he's right in that the French aren't going to give their support and the rebellion is going to fall apart regardless. So it's right and wrong at the same time. I think so. Melissa writes in. So I have a question that has been going through my mind about Mary Hawkins. If Claire had never gone through the stones, Mary would never have been walking with her when she was attacked and raped. Since we are to assume that Mary would have been married, that old guy, if she had hadn't been raped, how would Mary have ever married Black Jack Rendell, resulting eventually in Frank? Just something I've been wondering about and wondering if you had any ideas. 
Uh, well, ultimately, I think my outlandish theory of the week is that um, Frank is not the lineage of Blackjack Randall, and that he is actually the lineage of Alex Randall. That's my outlandish theory of the week, because there's no freaking way Blackjack Randall he, he got the Wayne the Wayne Bobbitt treatment, uh, John Wayne Bobbitt treatment. So they just no. I'm just crossing my legs with that comment. <laughs> Sarah, Sarah Jennifer Roach on Facebook said, "Hey guys, I just thought with regards to the producers and writers having shown their cards too soon with the Culloden battle, I do not think that they have any more so than any historical drama has shown. We often watch shows and movies." where we know the outcome, battles or other significant historical events, well-known stories that have been made or remade, but the entertainment, interest, enjoyment lies in the journey, not the destination. I liked that. That was a really uh, spot on. You're right. Catherine Ars Van Wessip said, after Faith, we really needed more time at Lollybrock as a bomb for the pain of Paris. That scene with Jamie talking to wee Kitty and Claire, watching him with tears in her eyes, because that should have been Faith in his arms, was the most beautiful scene in the episode. I loved the way Jenny spoke to Claire. If stars had granted 16 episodes instead of 13, I think Ron would have given us an episode of healing. But as it was, 205 and 206 were originally supposed to be a single episode. But in order to do justice to the emotional scenes, they needed two episodes. Then 207 was 90 minutes long, so they surgically edited that episode and moved the Lollybrock scene to 208. It's a domino effect because Ron is trying to do the impossible with too little screen time. It's a pity because he has assembled an unbelievable team of writers, directors, designers, and actors who are doing the best they can under the circumstances. And to that, I say, <laughs> snap. You got it, Catherine. Holly Richter White, uh, one of our writers at the Atlanta Cast blog. Thank you, Holly, for writing in. She said, from a screenwriter's perspective, because Holly is, in fact, a screenwriter. So cool. She said that she loved this episode. It was brilliant to include Colm and Larry for heightened drama and to set up for later episodes. And never is a very long time, which is shivers for later, too. It feels like we're back to square one. It's because we are. This episode is the setup for the Scotland plot, including battles. Now is now is the time to engage your husbands, by the way, if you haven't already because of the battles. Plus, it really captured how Jamie and Claire were out of sorts in France and have melded together mm -hmm. at home in Scotland. Kudos to Anne Kenny and the director, Mike Barker. Valerie Cabazuto said, I respect whoever liked it. I did not. In fact, I hated it. <laughs> it was ridiculous in my opinion that one, Claire forgave Larry and even asked her for help. That two, Jamie knew and also thanked her for helping. Three, Jamie was just about to sign over Lollybrock until Claire came to the rescue with her vision. One, <laughs> a half kilt. Wasted. So it was a wasted time in episode, says Valerie. There was so much richer stuff that they could have done. After the stellar episode last week, to me, this one was a joke. I went into this episode totally separate from the book or as a neutral as possible. But even if I hadn't read the book, I couldn't fathom them doing what they did. Am I ranting? Maybe. But honestly, this is one I don't even want to view again. I've watched every episode several times. I also kind of think it's unfair for people to get down on the book reading. We have loved this story for how long and have anticipated it coming to life. Valerie, I applaud you for your opinion. 
I can appreciate and I'm I'm right there with you about people need to leave the book readers alone, okay? Well, you see, now, okay. I'm just... But let me, let me just let me just say this, and because I'm a non-book reader, I'm a vehement non-book reader, and sometimes I feel as a non-book reader, like it already happened earlier this episode, people are saying, well, you just got to wait. Well, just read the books. You should see it. You'll understand better. And no, I, I don't want to read the books. Um, and I, I mean, I respect the fact that you think that, and I respect the fact that you that you think it would help me in, in this process. Yes. But the show has to speak for itself. And sometimes I feel like book readers, well, some of them, like they hold it over your head a little bit. Like it's kind of like Game of Thrones people were like this too. They were like, well, you know, and it's that what, that didn't happen in the book. And sometimes some book readers, like the really hardcore ones are like, well, that didn't happen in the book. They shouldn't do that. I just think that you're impatient sometimes. It's not that you need to read the book. I just think you need to calm your horses and trust in Ron. I do hashtag trust Ron. Good. I do. So calm your horses. All right. Mega Runge says, I loved the podcast from Detroit, Michigan. Thank you very much. Just started listening this season. Thank you, Megan. I have a question for Blake. Since he is a show watcher, currently I'm a junior in nursing school, and very recently I find out that the associate chair of my nursing school, uh, at, at the, the associate chair of nursing at my school, watches Outlander. I was very excited to learn this, but upon our discussion of the character, she said that Claire is such a bitch. This statement by her jolted me a little and made me wonder, what do other just show watchers around Outland- of Outlander think of Claire? I'm a book reader and the show watcher, and I have never thought to describe Clara as a bitch. So would you? And Mary, what's your take on this? Does your sh- does the show portray Claire more as a bitch versus the book Claire? Well, you answer this first, my darling. I think every girl has a little bitch in her. <laughs> okay? We, in my opinion, we all do. And hopefully we know when to whip it out and when not to. And for those of you who sit right now listening saying, Mary, how dare you? I don't have any bitch in me. Um... Okay. Oh, sure. Okay. Sure. Sure. <laughs> I'll trust. But that's how I feel. I know when I whip it out and I know when I've seen other people whip it out. And I think Claire has had a really cranky pregnancy. Speaking <laughs> as someone who had a really difficult pregnancy, I was no cupcake. I was a bitch during my pregnancy. And girlfriend knows all of her friends are going to die. Okay. Culloden is happening. Claire is not a happy person right now, and I uh, I can appreciate that she's cranky. I can appreciate that as a woman. I don't think I'd call her a bitch, though. What about you, Blake? Uh, I am just going to not. You don't comment. think Claire's been a bitch? Okay. I no no no. I'm just making sure that I don't say the wrong thing here. All right. Uh, but I will say this: I feel like Claire has been selfish in Paris, uh, and I hope that she pivots from that uh i think she's been quite selfish and uh and it, 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 that doesn't bode well for her well, character seeing as how i already watched episode 209 don't worry she's not selfish in that episode <laughs> okay good margaret uh Krob says i need I, to read this one okay go ahead okay margaret couldn't sleep last night so she went into the guest bathroom and listened to the podcast Guest bedroom <laughs> oh what else? It's fine. Listen to the podcast wherever you want. That's true. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Margaret said she laughed so loud at the goat comment that she thought she woke her husband up in the other room. <laughs> okay, so here's here's what Margaret said. Margaret tagged me in Facebook and she said, Mary, I loved Jamie's bare feet in the scene with his niece. 
Even his feet are hot. I noticed them before I heard your podcast and foot reference. Do you think if I offered him money, Jamie would send me pictures of his feet? So for those of you who don't know what Margaret's talking about, you all need to listen to the previous episode. Oh, my God. Margaret, I don't think Sam Hewen will take your money for pictures of his feet. However... I bet you could screenshot that. That's I bet, all I'm saying. I bet you may get this thing called a uh, a restraining order in the mail. <laughs> you know, and that's not really a good thing, <laughs> Margaret. But you know what? I appreciate where you're coming from. Pam Cash said, I agree with almost everything, ex- especially Blake and Kendra's takes on the Leary storyline. I am a book reader, but prefer to let the series play out on its own. I also agree that Diana's jumping the shark comment was not good, given her status with the Outlander series. Thank you, Pam. But in her defense, I think she just used the phrase incorrectly uh. and simply meant a major plot twist from the book. We are all human. Gotta be smarter than that. No. We are human and so is Diana. She's gotta be smarter. Pam says that she also agrees with Blake that there were many character points in the episode and liked bringing Colum in now to rekindle Jamie's relationship with his Scottish relatives and remind us of the balancing act our poor hero always has to maneuver in dealing with his kin. Overall, Pam really enjoyed this episode and gives it 4.5 kills. Just would have enjoyed a bit more Lollybrock, even though... I understand the overwhelming problem of packing a huge and beloved story into 13 hours of television. And uh, Pam also said she voted for us at the podcast awards this morning. Thanks, Pam. Thanks, Pam. I'm giving you two thumbs up. (laughs) Bella Lee said, I'm glad Mary brought up sex because the lack of it and the change in how it's shown mirrors a shift in the show, which began somewhere in the middle of last season's second half and really hurt its time in Paris. It switched its focus from story to plot lines with a few standout exceptions, something that never works for long. If plots aren't anchored by a story, their stakes don't come through and they start to feel like a collection of events. Thank you, Bella Lee. Whether the show's creators continue to like it or not, they had introduced us to a story about Jamie and Claire and the strength of their love for each other and a credit to the production team's skill. They made it a strong one. All of the war, peace, adventures, love, horror, etc. touched back to the story. I hadn't read the book yet, but I got whiplash when the couple's passion seemed to leave soon after Claire decided to stay. After six episodes of sexual tension, in which even the lush hills of Scotland seemed like foreplay, through the most deservedly heralded wedding night in television history, and four episodes of lust and consumption... Wait, consummation. There you go. (laughs) I'm like, why would they have had consumption? All right, this is weird. (laughs) Consummation. I don't call that anymore. I call it getting jiggy. Uh, The wanting stopped. (laughs) Na, 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 na. Or stopped being shared with us. The absolute strength of their connection appears again during the Wentworth episodes, but on either side for both understandable and inexplicable reasons, not so much. I wondered why book readers made such a big deal of not having a passionate love scene following their first I love yous. I thought, that's silly. It was a sweet scene in the window at Lollybrock. Little did I know that we were in the midst of a dry spell that would last another nine episodes. (laughs) When they finally made love again in season two, the screen faded to black. I yelled at my TV, hey, where's the famous woman's gaze? 
Where was the time when the sensual visuals that we had come to expect? How come no one had the orgasms <laughs> and that were done so well in the past that had made their love seem so unique to anyone's gaze? Since that reunion, sex has been scarce and perfunctory, and we were all still just fading to black. I'm glad Claire and Jamie are touching again and sweet again, and it seems like they might return to the passion they once had, and that will prove the story she tells when she returns to whatever present the show seems it is getting to pretty soon. But I don't really think they've had the time, and I think the show's priorities will no longer allow it, which is sad. You know, I, I think you're right. Uh, well, it, it, I think at least um, that Bella Lee is right here, um, and not because she agreed with me <laughs> that the, that the events of Paris were just stuff happening and events happening with other events, uh, and that it wasn't anchored down by an emotional tie. Um, but I do understand what she's getting at is that there's just so much plot to push through that the sex and the love and the intimacy, it kind of gets, it kind of gets pushed to the side here because there's just no time for it. And the real issue that I think we're finding is that Jamie and Claire are so uh, physical with each other. Their relationship resides in that world of true intimacy that when they don't show that intimacy, it almost feels like it's false. It almost feels like they aren't who they are. And it's it's also hard because Jamie went through what he went through in Wentworth Prison. And how can he be intimate with somebody? And how can he be okay and, and confident in himself enough when he has that kind of PTSD that we all talked about, you know, throughout the entire Paris run? it seems a little hard to just jump right back into lovemaking. So possibly it would have been better to stay or linger a little bit on some more lovemaking so that we do get that time to heal uh, so that we do believe that Claire and Jamie are back. And when they are in Lallybrock, uh, it, it, it would have been better for that. I think I, I think I'm going with that. Debbie Hansen says, oh my God, the goat. I don't know what made me laugh more, your laughter or that you thought it was a goat. I love donkeys and it was one of my favorite scenes this episode. Now I will forever more see that sweet little donkey whose name is Archie, by the way, as a goat. (laughs) You continued calling it a goat too. Oh my God, you crack me up. Debbie listen, I didn't think it was a goat. I I, I had a brain fart, you know, I, what what can I do? I, I, I can't help it. That's all I got. <laughs> what do we have on Instagram? Adi Mendel says, about Leary, I totally bought her acting as a changed person and even felt a little sorry for her until the last sentence that she said, which took me by surprise. So much praise for Nell Hudson and the acting that she did to make her change her mind about Leary. Sweet Magnolia 360 says, I can't stand what I call setup or transitional episodes. They're so dissatisfying and I'm always left wanting more, which I think she's referring to this episode as a transitional episode. More of Jamie and Claire love and how they matured and healed after so much pain to the domesticity of it. Uh, Lally Brock, the domestic relationships, which led to much needed loyalty. She needs that. I feel like the storyline is being sacrificed for the sake of expediency and to set up the story for non-book readers. Sorry, but it's true. 
Leg hair scenes would have been unnecessary otherwise. It's almost as if they are rushing through the story as though they want it to be much longer. At this rate of dissatisfaction of book lovers like myself, this made me made me realize that she just may not continue watching it. Oh, no. Jan Roser said the good was the seer. She's a fantastic Oh, nope. Fascinating. Not fantastic. <laughs> but you know what? I bet she feels that way too. She's, and, and <laughs> fascinating she's fabulous character. too. Yes. I would have liked to see more of her. Also, the touching scene with Jamie and his wean niece. It was a tender scene which gave this episode grace, hope, and a moment of peace. The bad was this episode seemed more contrived than any of the others so far. Wasn't it organic the way it flowed from faith with all of its complexity and despair to being back in Scotland and opening with potato farming? <laughs> the transition was shoddy and lacked clarity. Also, Simon's hair, it looked like two beavers got into a fight and neither one. <laughs> Jane Roser said, the great was Lord Lovett, the scoundrel. I love to hate him. He's sort of like Hans Gruber in Die Hard. Lord, what a bastard. But a brilliant and sassy bastard. As I said in a comment on the clan gathering site. Hey. Hey now. Thanks, Jane. Uh, Shameless plug. Uh, he is a type of fellow who would sell his soul to the devil and then talk his way out of the contract when the devil came to collect. He's a complex character who had the best lines in this episode, and the actor delivered them with blistering wit and bite. I think Entertainment Weekly said it best in their preemptive What to Watch column. They said, if he's anything like my grandfather, the most they'll get will be butterscotch hard candy and a birthday present of $2. Yep, (laughs) pretty much. You know, uh, Jane Roser, I just, I I love the fact that you made the beaver comment and that you also included, you tied that into Hans Gruber from Die Hard. That is excellent. That is fantastic. My love, are you ready to get to the tweet of the week? Always. This week's Tweet of the Week goes to the Ron and Terry show. Uh, They gave us a picture of uh, Fergus on a goat, and it was absolutely freaking hysterical. She came through with with our request to the meme for Fergus and the goat, and uh, she said, so, so she put stallion, donkey, goat? Blake doesn't know what an ass is. <laughs> so <laughs> I, uh, I really like that. Congratulations, Ron and Terry Show, for winning this week's Tweet of the Week. For that, you now get a $20 gift card to the Tag Your It Etsy shop. Woo-hoo! I will put you in touch with Dawn, the owner. She is fan-freaking-tastic, and uh, she'll take care of any need that you possibly have. So again, congratulations for winning this week's Tweet of the week. My love, you ready to get into the voicemails? Always. Let's do it. Hi, Mary and Blake. This is Keisha calling from Odenton, Maryland. Um, I just wanted to say that um, 208, episode 208, was like the setup for the next half of the season. I'm a book reader, so I kind of know what's going to happen, but it's always better to see it you know, on TV, um, about the Larry jumping the shark, whatever you want to call it. I didn't have a problem with it. Um, will it help for season three? Of course it will. Of course it will. Um, no spoilers, but I think, you know, it's, it's, it works for me. I'm not going to be all 
out of whack about it. It is what it is. You know, it's like Sony and Diana trust Ron um, and his writers. So I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm not going to, you know, mill over it or fuss about it. I mean, it's, I felt the same way with um, Harry Potter and some because I was a book reader and some things I didn't like in certain storylines and or things that happened and I just built a bridge and got over it. Um I thought it was it was just too cute that, you know, Larry goes back to what she knows, give him a little peek and he <laughs> ran away. Oh well. Um that's my two cents. Thanks so much. Uh I really enjoy your podcast. Look forward to it every week. Have a great one. Thanks, Keisha. This one is for you. You're a wizard, Harry. Thank you very much for bringing up Harry Potter. And, you know, th- I'm glad this is a book reader saying, listen, hashtag trust Ron. Amen. Hashtag trust Ron. That, that's how you, you got to handle it. Hi, Mary and Blake. Love you. This is Marie from the Philadelphia area. Love you guys. Love your podcast. Have voted for you. As to the leg hair storyline, and I have a hard time saying leg hair without wanting hmm. to laugh. <laughs> I am a book reader, but a book reader only after having found the show and after having binge-watched it. So I don't like Larry. I don't like her for obvious reasons. I also understand, though, that TV Jamie knows more and different things than book Jamie, and there's something coming up in episode three, or book three, which I can't imagine uh, that they are going to change or bypass because it is too important for the book three storyline. So I understand where Ron Moore and the writers are going with trying to redeem leg hair. I don't know necessarily if they redeemed her by way of this episode. I don't think they did. They may have started a process, and a lot of time passes between now and when her story kicks in in book three. So I think everybody's a bit um, crazy over this issue and that they put a lot more stock into it than they should. Uh, I didn't mind it. I understand where they're going. I don't like her at all. Have a great day. Bye. First of all, thank you for voting, uh, and thank you for calling in and engaging with us. I really appreciate that. And I think you make a great distinction here. There is book Jamie, and then there is TV Jamie. And TV Jamie is different than book Jamie. Mm-hmm. As much as book readers don't want to accept that sometimes, it's true. And as a result, this story that we're seeing on television, it's a different story. It has the same DNA. It has, I think it has some of the same through lines based on from what people have said. But ultimately, because of these changes, they, it is now different. And as such, it has to be told differently. Things have to be added. Things have to be taken out. Frank in the TV show knows way more about Claire than he does in the book. Jamie now knows more about leg hair. I don't know what it is, but he now knows more. As a result... What will happen needs to be different. So, and that's why I think I have a hard time sometimes because some people I feel like don't want to accept the fact that the TV show is different from the book, that they can exist in the same universe, that they can, that that they can, that they can be appreciated 
equally. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and because of that, it makes it a little frustrating because some people are saying, well, it, they should be they should be adapting this almost directly because Diana is the greatest storyteller ever and she can't do any wrong. Well, she's human. And same thing, hashtag trust wrong. As much as I love him, he is human too. He does make mistakes. But this is a visual media. It's a different story and it needs to be told differently. Uh, am, I getting, am I getting the cosign on that one too? Yes. All right. Hi, this is Bella. I'm calling to answer your weary question. Um, when I first watched it, I thought there was no possible reason that they would have her on. I wasn't upset about it. I didn't get this jumping the shark thing. I just thought it was a waste of time. And I was really surprised by the tone of Claire's reaction. Just because you've really spent all this time thinking about what you do to Leary, you seem to have had a lot of other problems. I mean, she could have been shocked and, you know, are you kidding me? You know, and all that kind of thing. But I just thought the dialogue was really bad when I heard what Blake had to say about all of, you know, their problems after that episode, sort of starting with Weary talking about having her being accused as a witch. I did kind of get that, but I didn't like the tone of Claire's reaction, and I couldn't stand the little story of her and Simon. I just think they didn't handle it very well. I thought it was... Claire contradicted herself. First, you have to seduce this guy, and then a woman's body isn't the only thing she can use to, you know, communicate. Um, And I just thought it was a time waster. And you don't have that much time left for all the things we hope will be included, and that's not for book readers. It's just that we kind of have to make up time getting Claire and Jamie connected again, and I just think if they were going to have her in, they should have spent less time on it and had Claire respond to her in her new Back to Scotland character instead of in her France arrogant character. Okay, thanks. Love your podcast. I'm new to hearing them. Thank you, Bella. Really appreciate it. My love, I want to get your take on this real quick, which is what did you think about the whole thing with Simon and Claire manipulating Leary into Simon, given that you've read the books, given that you know the story? Did this did this work for you? Or was do you think, was it a waste of time? Did you think that they did a poor job? What, what were your thoughts on this? I think that TV Claire is just trying anything she possibly can to to get her and Jamie's goals met. Yep. Do you think, so, does, does it fall in line with your idea of who Claire is? Yeah. Espe- I, especially I, given TV Claire, because like... like Well, that's it, TV Claire. Yes. I think TV Claire is very um, good at acting and is, is really, she kind of thinks two steps ahead okay and is able to understand how to for the lack of a better word manipulate some people um and i'm not saying that in a bad way so i don't mean it with a bad connotation i just think that claire is is a very wise woman and she's worked with a lot of people and i think that she can sometimes play chess do you think that tv claire is markedly different from book claire 
Well, book Claire is us. We read it through Claire. Yep. So I feel differently about TV Claire. Sure, I do. What can you can you tell me if you like TV Claire better or do you like book Claire better? Um, I don't know. It's a really good question. I'll get back to you on that. Okay, yeah, I think that's a. I think this is a really good question for the that's listeners a great too, question. guys. It, you get back to us. Put us put it on Facebook. On go the on the Clan Gathering. Gathering. Go on Twitter, Instagram, whatever, and let us know. Do you like Claire book uh, the book Claire better or do you like TV Claire better? I think that's a really good question. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for the last one? Yes. All right. Hi, Mary and Blake. It's Karen from Pennsylvania. Wanted to call and comment on episode 208, The Fox's Lair. I did enjoy this episode. It wasn't my favorite, but there were a lot of parts that were great. Um, Basically everything at Lollybrock, um, especially everybody's favorite scene with Jamie and the baby that was just wonderful. Um, I also enjoyed the fact that we got to see Colm again. I think this was... Um, the best column I've seen, even from the first season, it was just my, my favorite version of column, I suppose. Um, and, but what I didn't like about the episode, not necessarily that, not necessarily that Leary was there, but that Claire's reaction to her, um, it was initially so strong and kind of full of, um, intense, um, not hatred, but how she, she, she didn't hate her, but she just had these strong emotions. And then a few scenes later, she's saying, oh, well, you know, you can earn your forgiveness if you do this thing with me for me. It, it just felt odd. And I didn't like that character stuff with Claire. I, it, just, it just felt disjointed. Um, what I did find to be a bit funny was that young Simon um, completely reminded me of the son from Monty Python and the Holy Grail, the <laughs> son that um, doesn't want to marry the girl with huge tracts of land. He just wants to sing. They kind of have the same pasty look in <laughs> the weird hair, and they put their arm out and pose. And yeah, he just, I can't unsee it now. Oh. <laughs> but I hope you guys um, keep up all the good work and good luck in the podcast awards. Thanks. Thank, Thank you, you, Karen. That's awesome. And I love, I love that comparison. I just, I, oh my God, you guys are the best, man. Never, ever underestimate the listeners. They are the best. And I'm still thinking back to that comment about young Simon's hair being like two beavers. <laughs> and none of them won. Two, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, you guys are the best. So this is why we, I love doing these episodes. My love, are you ready to close out the show? You bet. All right, let's, uh, let's get it done. So, what are you looking forward to next episode? I'm not looking forward to anything because I already watched oh, it. Oh, that's right. I know. I was like one of those people who said, oh, I can watch it on Thursday on my Stars app. Thank you very much. And I did. I'm going to say what I said to you last time. Nerd. What ifs? <laughs> Bring it. What are you looking forward to, young Padawan who hasn't seen or read books? You know, I've given this a lot of thought, and uh, there are two things that I'm really looking forward to next episode, but also I think for the rest of uh, the season, which is, uh, first, the uh, the character conflict that's going to eventually happen with Dougal. I think that there's going to be a lot more with Dougal than show watchers are maybe used to or are prepared for. Uh, this is going to be almost probably a foil for Jamie in, in some ways, I think. And I think also uh, he may even play a slight villain role. Oh. Um, 
uh, for, for this for the rest of the season. Interesting. Uh, because I think Blackjack is going to take a seat uh, in the back for a little bit uh, because we already dealt with him. The Compt is already gone, so we need somebody to play this villain role, and I think Dougal's going to be it. But the thing I'm most looking forward to for next episode, but especially for the rest of the season, is what happens with Claire? The reason why I say that is because Claire goes back to England. In the, in, I'm sorry, back to Scotland, obviously. And then she goes through the stones and then back to Frank. But she goes back, I think, as a result of what happens to Jamie, which means it's a passive thing. She is she isn't choosing necessarily. She is forced she's being forced to go back. And why I'm saying all of this is because I don't want her to be a passive presence for the rest of the season. She is the main character, mm-hmm. and given the fact that we're going to be heading into war, given the fact that there's the war is going to happen, the battle's going to happen, something bad is going to happen in this battle that pushes Claire through the stones. I don't want her to be pushed aside in favor of all the battles, in favor of all the war making, in favor of it, even in favor of Jamie. I want Claire to remain active and uh, doing things that are worthy of Claire. Um, in fact, I, I think of uh, Starbuck from uh, from uh, Battlestar Galactica. No matter what happened, Starbuck was a main character. She did stuff. She made things happen. Uh, despite all the things that surrounded her towards the end, she was still important, and I want Claire to, to still remain important. And that's what I that's what I'm looking forward to most. I, I look forward to seeing how they handle it. Uh, we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens. <sighs> See, see, I told you, I've been thinking about it a lot. You have, and I just had to glare off into space and say, interesting. (laughs) Well, everybody, be sure to stick uh, and visit, stick around and watch the Outlander cast blog because every single episode, Ashley live blogs, each one as it airs. So even if you're like me and you've watched it on Thursday, you can actually still enjoy the two screen experience with the live blog. I actually have to tell a quick story here. Because I was reading Ashley's live blog, actually, the next day, and she made this reference to Senator Cleary from Wedding Crashers mm-hmm. and the Fox's Lair episode, and I was drinking hot tea when as I was reading it, and I laughed so hard that the hot tea went up and out my nose, and it, like, scorched my nose, and all I could smell for the rest of the day was tea. Ew. <laughs> but it was so freaking funny that I, I laughed that hard uh, that, I, that I scorched my nose. <laughs> It's that funny. You'll squat your nose reading Ashley's live blog. Yes. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Well, until next time, ladies and gents, I'm Mary Larson. My name is Blake. And you've been listening to Outlander Cast. When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. It's Stangy Law Firm. We represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri.